George, we would love to welcome you up to speak with us. So, yeah, we partner with Hands at Work, who work with vulnerable communities. And, um, yeah, we are just so blessed to have you with us, George, this morning. Um, can I pray for you? Before we, yeah. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Thank you that you are working amongst us. Thank you for the stories that I know George is going to be sharing. And we just ask that you would speak through him. Would you prepare all of our hearts now? Um, to hear what it is, Jesus, that you are wanting to speak to us. And would you bless George and encourage him too. In Jesus' name, amen. I might hand you the other mic because I think the other one is a bit more reliable. Thank you. Good morning. I'm so happy, happy, happy to be here. <laughs> But I must be honest, I'm also freezing. I feel like... <laughs> I mean, I was told it was hot in the UK. There's nothing hot about this place. And so maybe for the first 10 minutes, if you want to, I can do a gym lesson for you guys. And we can do high-intensity training just to get the, the blood flowing. <clears throat> but really, it's, it's awesome for me to be here this morning and... Of course, we love being with you guys. It's the first time in three years we haven't been here. And um, I was so blessed this time. I, I brought Carolyn, my wife, with me. And, um, yeah, I'm so happy that she can be here. Um, this year, we've been married 39 years. And 30 of those years, we were in a mission field. And so what a joy. What a life, what a privilege. And this morning, honestly stand before you and say, God is good, and there's huge, huge things we look forward to. I'm so optimistic, and I'm so full of hope, because I can see all the signs pointing towards God doing something amazing. And... Uh, yeah, I just want to also acknowledge this morning, before we start, I've got David and Jane yeah, all the way from Birmingham. They fetched us at Heathrow at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I don't know. I've never done that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But thank you for doing that. And Becky is also, all three of them, maybe you can just wave your hands. They are working full-time for hands here in the UK. And it's, it's been a huge thing especially with the lockdown, you know, to keep people together and to keep the information flowing and, and to have platforms to connect people. And we're so, so grateful for the way that you guys have done that, David, and Jane and Becky. This morning, I want to, I want to share with you and I want to use the title, It's Time for Us to Light Our Candles. I actually, look at this for a candle. By the way, we're not leaving until this candle is burned down. So settle down. But I'm going to light this candle right as we start, um, because I'm going to speak about that this morning. This morning, as you watch this candle, 
I want you to, as I'm going to share with you, I want you to um, constantly think about this light and about yourself as a candle. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you just how incredible candle you are and how available you are and how God has prepared you in this time where other people might look at this time and think, wow, this is a tough time, where you can look at this and say, this is what I've been created for. This is my time. And I want to encourage you through that message this morning as we're going to share. You know, when Carolyn and I started in 1999, we, we started in a village caring for people dying of AIDS. Um, and God gave us that sentence from the beginning. He said to us, I rather light a candle than curse the darkness. Rather light a candle than curse the darkness. And this morning, as I share with you, I want you to remember that and to think through that. We took that message from that first village in Masoy, where from Monday till Friday, all we did is we were just visiting people dying in their homes. There were no medication. There were no support, no help. And it was a time where people were very anxious and very fearful. They didn't know how you got AIDS and there were rumors and myths and people were isolated and stigmatized. And it was a tough, tough time. And the message God gave us was simple. He said, just light a candle. And you know, when we started, <laughs> it was our office. Somebody gave us a linen room where they kept their linen for hospitality. And it was me and Carolyn and Tandy. There were only three of us. And, and so on a Friday morning, we will have our meetings. And then I will lead the word and worship. And Carolyn will lead the worship. And Tandy will be there. And the three of us. And we started just three of us. And we would literally go out with nothing, with nothing. But we just encourage people. We will fetch water. We'll bath people. I remember when the first man, a businessman, gave me a hundred pounds. No, it was less than a hundred pounds. Yeah, maybe a hundred pounds a month for food. I wept that day. I wept. I couldn't believe that somebody would give me a hundred pounds to feed people that we would go to their homes and they haven't eaten for days. And step by step by step, this just grew. There was no form. In fact, we were completely unqualified, like especially me. Carolyn was still somehow qualified. But me, I was so unqualified. Like in every way, we were so irrelevant culturally in a context, we, especially me, I should never have been there. And yet, God said to me, all I'm asking you is just light the candle today. Just go out today. Just make a difference. There were times that I would go into the field and I would just not have a clue what's waiting. It would be so overwhelming. And yet, in the simplest ways, we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. 
and it just started growing. We had no clue how to grow anything. I mean, if anything, we tried to break it. <laughs> but God honored that. In October, next month, we celebrate 20 years. You know, Monday morning, there'll be about 10,000 children in eight different countries, in 75 communities, that will be cared for, that will go to school, that will be treated for malaria, that will be visited in their homes, that will belong to youth groups. There are a thousand volunteers on the ground doing this. There are hundreds of people like David and Jane and Becky. There are <laughs> nearly a hundred churches like you who said, we say yes. We want to light the candle. And it started in the toughest time possible with the most unqualified people. And the message was simple. Light the candle. That is what God has called us to do. And that is what I want to encourage you guys this morning. So, so when we say light the candle, what do we mean by that? I, I just want to tell you two things quickly. The first one is we've got to know the light. Okay, and that's why this is a big candle. This is the light. If we want to light our candles, we've got to know what the real light is. We've got to understand the real light. And we know that there's only one light in the world, and that's Jesus, right? Can I mean, just see if I know how to work this thing. Yes. And so in John 8, verse 12, we read this. Jesus spoke to the people, and he said, I am the light of the world. I mean, isn't that awesome? We don't have to create this light. We don't have to do it ourselves. Jesus said, I am the light of this world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So when we want to light our, light, our candle, first of all, we know that Jesus said, I am the light. We can go to the light. But it goes further. And in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, we read this. We are the light, or you are the light of the world. You. Jesus is speaking to us. He said, you are the light. I've called you to be the light. You are the light of the world. A town, or a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that. You know, I love the fact like my older brother, Jesus, your brother, you know, he's our brother. <laughs> your brother called us and he said, I want you to take the light to places where it's dark. I want your light to shine. You've got nothing to offer yourself. You don't have to worry about that. If I am the light 
and you take me, I will shine. But secondly, Jesus is asking us to light our candles. He's not just telling us that he is the light of the world, but he's telling us to light our candles. And that means we've got to make it personal. We've got to know that we are a light, which means each one of us, in our context, we've got to make it personal. Every day, we've got to know that our light can shine. Isaiah 58 is such a crazy, beautiful chapter to read. And in Isaiah 58, verse 10, we read, And if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the poor, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. <laughs> I mean, can you see that promise there? You know, I, I'm, I think I'm the, the best in the world when it comes to poor me. Why must I go? Why must I do that? <laughs> it's costing me. I'm such a winner. But you know, in, in Isaiah, it say, if you do that, your light will shine. It, your night will become like noonday. No wonder circular psychologists, people that don't believe in Jesus at all, you ask them, if you are going to have a nervous breakdown today and there's no more medication that can help you, What's the one thing that the psychologist will tell you to do? He will say to you, get up. Cross the railway line and go to the worst part of town. Find the worst person and say, ma'am, how can I help you? <laughs> that is what medical people are saying. They're saying if you get outwards, if you start looking outward, I promise you, your darkness will become like noonday. That's a promise that we as children of the light can hold on to in this time. That it's not just that we want to bring the light to others, but it is a light that's going to shine in us and bring to us. Isn't that incredible promise that God has given us? And that's exactly what we are doing together with you. Like in communities like Bandini, in Eswatini, where you are very involved in. I remember walking with Norwazi. <laughs> we went to go and fetch her at 4.30 in the morning. As I fetch her to walk with her to school, it's five miles to school. She walked next to me, like this little girl. I said to her, so tell me about yourself. She said, I'm no wussy. I'm nine years old and I'm in grade three. Hey. <laughs> and here we walk. But you know, I'm walking with this child. She stayed with her grandmother. And as we left for school at half four in the morning, her grandmother left for the water hole because she had to get to, to the water hole before the cattle get there. That's the only way she can get water that's clean enough to drink. And I'm walking with Nawazi, peach dog, peach black dog. And this child does it every day on her own. You know, I, I was looking for my cell phone to put on my 
my life to see where I'm walking. And I thought, she doesn't have a cell phone. She walks in the dark. The first three miles is pitch dark. <laughs> this same Nawazi today belongs to a youth group that's led by Futi, one of our great African leaders. And so Nawazi still walk up that hill to get to school. But after school, she goes to a place of safety where there's youth groups and there's food and there's people caring for her. There's people visiting her every day. Nawazi is now a teenager. <laughs> but there's hope for Nawazi. Nawazi walked a dark road, but she's not alone anymore. Because people like you and myself, we lit our candles. <laughs> we went to go and find the Nawazis. We went to go and find the grandmother. I remember when we put a door in for her grandmother. And for the first time, the grandmother could actually lock the door at night with her and little Nawazi sleeping in that hut. Small is big for God. Small is big. And it's always asking each one of us. And he's saying, as you do that, the light will come back to you. You know, as we speak right now, we are breaking into newer and newer communities. Like in Nigeria, where Toyin, she's, a, she's a, a wife and a mom with two beautiful girls. Where the last 15 years, Toyin worked in the worst slums in this world, in Nigeria and Lagos. Faithfully, Toyin has been chipping away in places like that. Finding the kids. You know, literally, Toyin would walk on planks this wide, on the water, because the children are living on the water. They've got no land to live on. Their houses are, their huts are underwater. And Toyin and them will walk underwater like this, and they will find the children, and they will, some of them, and great one, they will carry them on those planks to our care point. Mrs. Joseph, she's the principal of that school. Oh my goodness. She knows every child by name. They care for those children. Those children literally live in those places and when we take them to school, that's where they are. Transformation. Literally, we can't take them out of the slums. We don't have that capacity. But with in the slum, in the dark place, in Bandini, we bring the light. We take them, don't take them out. We take the light there. Because that's what Jesus did for us, right? He came to us. He became flesh like us and he moved into our neighborhood. And that's what we do. We go into the neighborhoods and we bring this love. I remember in that slum, I had the great privilege one day I met a grandmother and her granddaughter that went to school for the first day. I'm telling you, she was so short that she, <laughs> she couldn't get off the front step of their hut. Like somebody had to pick her up and she was only about this high. And the grandmother stood there and she was bawling her eyes out. And 
I sat next to her. And I said to her, Granny, why are you crying? Look at your grandchild. She's going to school today. And she said to me, you don't understand. This child, even though she lost all her own children, she only had that grandchild left. She said, today is history in my family. Because this girl is the first girl in the history of our family that will go to school. She's finished with grade seven. She's in high school now. This child is flourishing. She still lives in a slum. It's still tough. But a candle was lit in her midst. That there's hope for her and her friends. And we can see each one of us as ordinary as we are. We came to the light with our little candles. And we say, Lord, light my candle. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to shine? Friends, that's our calling. That's for each one of us. That's what brings this crazy, crazy love to us. This outrageous grace that God poured upon us. That we can go and spill it wherever we go. And our lives have so much meaning. So, you see... This story is far from finished. This is the beginning of transformation. But not just for Nawazi, not just for Toyans, girls in Lagos, but for each one of us. Transformation is busy happening to us. And on the ground, there's a new generation of leaders in hands at work. And they were the children. They were the children that we fed. Today, they are our new leaders. They are breaking into new communities. They are building key points. Our grandmothers are now producing food and we are buying from them. Our church leaders have now been given capacity and we encourage them. They are taking ownership for the first time. And slowly, we see after 20 years, we not only see transformation happening to Nawazi, who is now in a youth group, but we see transformation happening in our own lives. Because Isaiah 58 said, as you spend yourself, as you use your candle to help someone else, your darkness will become like noonday. What a time, what a message that is for us right now. And I can stand here this morning with my hand on my heart and say to you that we, we dream for you, that you will shine like that as much as we dream for ourselves. Because that's hands. All of us are growing together. None of us can say, I've got and I've got to give. We get from each other and we grow together. So I want to leave you with the scripture. I want to give you a verse as High Grove this morning. And it's from Galatians 6, verse 9 to 10. As a church, I want to say to you,
Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I want to encourage you, even as I'm going to read some words to you now from the late Queen Elizabeth III, second. As, you know, in Africa, we didn't know her well, but all of us listened to her message on Christmas. All of us. And we always said, God, there is somebody godly in the UK. <laughs> We loved listening to her. She gave us so much hope. And it's only proper that we use one of her quotes that she said in 1981. The final word is this. Christ not only revealed to us the truth in his teachings, he lived by what he believed. And he gave us the strength to do the same. As a nation, as you lay it to rest tomorrow, I believe she lived like that. And a message to us is, your Savior not only taught you what is right, he literally lived it. He came to serve even unto death, death on a cross. Now he's calling on each one of us. This is a great time to light your candle and to say, Lord, I'm going to shine for you. I'm going to do good for you. And I'm holding on to your promise as I'm becoming outward looking, even though inside it seems like so many things, that you are going to turn this into noonday. I believe you. I trust you. So as we listen to some music, I want you to take a few moments and be quiet. And I want you to look at the scandal. And I want you to say to yourself again, this is the true light, the light of life. And I want you to acknowledge Jesus in your life again. Speak that light over the darkness that's in your own life. The struggles, anxiety maybe, the challenges. Say, light, you are the light of the world. I acknowledge you. And where you shine, darkness need to flee. And then I want you to, in your imagination, take your candle, your light. And I want you to walk to the true light this morning. And I want you to say to that light, light me again this morning. Light me again so that I can shine for you. Honestly, I don't feel like shining. I know how it feels to be anxious. I really do. I know how it feels not to want to get up out of bed. I do. <laughs> and that's when I go to that light and I say, you've got to shine. You've got to. Because I want to end well. 
I want to finish this race well. I'm not going to fall out of this race. I'm not going to. I refuse to. But I don't have the strength. So why don't you lighten again this morning? Your neighbors, your family, hands at work, in Eswatini, we need your lights to shine. And together, we're going to leave a legacy of our children like the queen did. We're going to give him something to aspire for and to know that the light is true. So why don't you just take some time?